I want you to get your Bibles open this morning to the 127th Psalm. We're going to get there in just a moment. Psalm 127. But I want to talk to you today about the fight for men. The fight for men. You know, as we've been talking about building strong marriages and families, how many of you know everything starts with how we take boys and move them from boys to men? And Kevin was so funny. He said, Pastor, I really wish you'd been talking a lot in this series about fighting for your family. I really wish you'd talked about the difference between boys and men. And I said, that's exactly what I'm preaching on today. So I don't know if God just loves you more than everybody else and you get to hear this, but this is an important topic. How many ladies, where's the ladies out? Single ladies, wave at me. How many of you would like to find a godly man, not a selfish boy, as a spouse? How many of you would like to marry a strong man, not Peter Pan? All right. <laughs> We're having a crisis in our culture in manhood. And uh, men are being assaulted with all kinds of different messages. How many of you know the prime minister of Canada just had his fake eyebrow fall off? Let me just say we're having a crisis in manhood. Any, nas- any male national leader that wears fake eyebrows shouldn't be leading anything, all right? He should be, at, he should be in the beauty parlor. But anyway, I'm not going to get off on all that. We're having a crisis in what it means to be a man. And not just a male, but a man in the biblical sense of masculinity. And let me just say this. I've heard it said in some of our urban areas that the chance of a woman being raised in an urban area being married is less than, uh, I guess, like 10% or something like that, 10% or less chance, because family breakdown is so prevalent, and because here's something else that's going on, and I hope you'll hear this with me. When we fail to maintain biblical sexuality and biblical morality, I, you got, ladies, you got to hear this. The, the people who lose the most are women and children. So this whole feminist thing where everybody's trying to be cool and everybody's trying to be equally promiscuous, listen, ladies, you lose. And the children that you bear lose when men are Peter Pans and don't know how to stand up and be godly men. We have to return to a biblical standard for sex in the church. We have to model this in our culture because one of the reasons men fail to grow up is because fundamentally, manhood has to be taught. It has to be learned where womanhood comes very natural to most ladies. And let me explain why. I've raised four daughters. There comes a time in their lives when all of a sudden they transition from being a little girl into a woman. This is biological. Nobody needs to be surprised about it. How many of you know you can watch a woman transform from being a little girl into a young lady before your eyes? And everybody knows it. And not only does her body change, but her identity changes because even fathers realize, I now have a young woman in my house. She's not the the little nine-year-old girl anymore. She is a young lady. Everything about her says that. And everything about her and the way she develops ties into a unique function that God created in her, which is the function to conceive a child and to carry that baby for nine months and to nurture, be the primary nurturer in that child's life. Everything about her speaks to her future and her identity. Now hear me, I'm not saying that a woman only exists to be a mom and to have children and that's her only function. That's not what I'm saying. But a large part of how God wired women and created women centers around this whole thing 
thing called motherhood, and this, which is why most young ladies have a natural desire to find a godly husband and to have a family. In fact, if you press a lot of young girls, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'll tell you what they want to be. They want to be a mom. And we should not despise that in our culture. We should not look down on that in our culture because there's something the way God has hardwired a young lady that finding a godly man, a Prince Charming who sweeps her off of her feet, who loves her like Jesus loves her, and, and, and gives her a family that she can raise and nurture for the rest of her days. I mean, you know, these are good things. And women get it because it's hardwired in who they are. Men do not get it. In fact, a woman's sexuality is geared towards creating positive things. A man's sexuality does not create anything positive until it's conquered by Jesus. A man's sexuality is primarily selfish because he just shows up, has a moment of pleasure, and he's gone. But the woman carries that seed in her and that child in her very intimately for nine months through much discomfort, and it all ends not in a party, but it ends in what's called labor. Isn't that amazing? Intense labor. A woman's sexuality is geared towards creation and positive things. A man's sexuality, if it is not brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ, is absolutely selfish and destructive. And we see this all over our culture today. Isn't it interesting that Many people in choosing their families now are choosing either cohabitation or simply to not bother with marriage at all, but just to have their own child out of wedlock, um, simply because, listen to me, they can't find a decent guy. They can't find a guy who is mature enough that he's actually looking to assume the weight of what manhood means. In fact, they're like, where's the men that used to be focused on finding a wife, having a family, and working hard? That used to be what manhood was about. We find a lot of men today that aren't interested in any of that. And let me tell you why. Part of the reason why is because they have fake sexual partners over the internet. Pornography is exploding and destroying men all over and destroying women as well. The other thing is, in addition to to porn, is, you know what? When a man can have sex whenever he wants to, wherever he wants to get it, and leave and have absolutely no responsibility, ungodly men will choose that option every time over commitment and sacrifice and covenant. And so we have a manhood problem today. Womanhood is natural. Manhood is not. That's why you've never had to say to any woman in this room, hey, woman up. Why do we have a phrase, man up? Because men have to be taught. Men have to be called forth. Men have to be challenged by older men who have gone ahead and who have done a few things right. We say man up. We don't say things like, hey, be a woman. No, we don't have to say that. They already get it. But we constantly have to say, be a man. We never have to say, hey, let me make a woman out of you. No, they they get it. But we constantly have to say, son, I'm going to teach you how to be a man. And usually that involves get out of bed, roll up your sleeves, let's get to work, let's show up on time. The world does not revolve around you. I know it's early. It doesn't matter. I know you don't want to do this. It doesn't matter. You all know what I'm talking about. I have to be taught how to be a man by men. It comes very natural for women 
to be women. Maleness is a biological happening, but manhood has to be cultivated, which is why we have this failure to launch this perpetual adolescence that we're dealing with in our culture today. So I want you to turn with me now, Psalm 127. I want to give us three essential components to manhood, biblical manhood, found in Psalm 127. And I'm just going to read verse 1 and verse 4, right? But there's three word pictures, three metaphors of what mature manhood looks like that's found in this passage. And I want to spend a little time this morning talking about it. Read with me verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. And look at verse 4. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. I want you to see three things there. Builders, protectors, and warriors. Those are three fundamental core identities that every man has to have built into him if he's going to mature properly. Building, protecting, and warring. Let's take a look at the first one here. Builders. How many of you guys can relate to this? Every man in this room, when I say you were made to build, you were made to create, you get it. Because we build lots of things. Some of you are handy. You love to work around the house. You build stuff. You fix stuff. Some of you are building your careers. Some of you are building an addition on your house. Uh, we're, how about, no, we're also building marriages. We're also building our children. We're also building a legacy. Men were made to build things. We're creators. We're architects. This is how God designed us as men because God is a builder. God is a creator. God is an architect. But here's the problem. I want you to see this. If men are not attached, if men are not shouldering the weight and responsibility that comes with building something productive, they are what anthropologists call unattached males. And unattached males are the number one reason for 99% of the problems we have in America today. How many of you know there's something radical happens to a man when a single man takes on the responsibility of a wife? What happens to his insurance rates? They go down. Why is it that 20-something single men are the, the highest insured people on planet Earth? Let me tell you why. Because they're unattached They're usually reckless, I'm talking about ungodly, reckless, immature, selfish, and living on the wild side, and uh, and you don't want to insure those people. What happens when a man takes on the responsibility of building a family? All of a sudden, the weight of that responsibility causes him to sober up. He starts living for other people. He starts realizing there's other people, and he's no longer unattached. In fact, let me just say this, the most stabilizing force of male energy and sexuality is marriage. Who's committing most of the crimes out there today? Who's committing most of the sexual battery? Is is it women? No. Who's committing most of the violent crime in our culture today? Unattached males. Who's committing most of the things we see on the news today? Unattached males. It's men who have failed to take the strength of their sexuality and the strength of their masculinity and funnel it into something that builds something productive and that leaves a legacy. Let me just say to every young guy in this room, I hope you have a vision to prepare yourself with responsibility and a vision to where your life is going and a vision to find a young woman, to marry a young woman, to be faithful to that young woman and to have a big family. I hope you have that vision in your heart because let me just tell you, that is a godly vision. 
And men that are thinking that way, men that are well along in life, have, are not thinking that way. I'm just telling you, that's not what a biblical man is thinking about, all right? Whatever it is you're thinking about. There comes a time when maturity says, let's man up, let's grow up, and let's begin to pursue what God has for us. Now, everybody's not called to marriage. I get that. There are those that are called to singleness. I get that. But I'm talking in general here about taking the strength of your sexuality and the strength. You know, the Bible says as a young man, don't be casting your seed everywhere. Don't be spraying the fountain of your strength everywhere. In other words, your sexuality needs to find expression in the form of a covenant relationship with a woman that you're going to commit to. Everything else is reckless. Everything else destroys things. Everything else leads to poverty uh, and, and a tremendous burden upon women. Which Let me just lay something out here. How many of you have heard the phrase holy matrimony? All right? We call marriage a holy matrimony. Check this out. I just discovered this in studying this week. That word matrimony comes from a Latin word. It literally means obligation to the mother. When a man says, I do, when he stands at an altar, when they put a ring as a symbol of covenant, what I'm saying to my wife is, if we're going to enjoy sex as God intended it, and children will come, I am embracing the obligation to be a husband, to be a committed to the children of this union. I'm committed to that woman. I'm not going to leave her. I'm not going to abandon her. I'm not going to use my sex as a plaything. I'm not going to run around and be, uh, be uh, promiscuous. I'm going to direct the full focus of my sexuality and my commitment to you. And when these kids come, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you because I'm a man. And because that's what men do. I'm not a male. I'm not a boy. I'm not a Peter Pan. I am a man. And this is what men do. It's called holy matrimony. In fact, the word husband comes from a Norse word. It means house dweller. Isn't this interesting? A house dweller. When I say yes to that woman, it doesn't mean I stay in the house for the rest of my life. But it means this house is where I dwell. I don't dwell with other ladies. I don't sleep around on my wife. I am a house dweller. I'm committed to this house, and I'm shouldering the weight of building something that is lasting with that woman. This is called biblical masculinity. It's called being a man. It's called manning up. Marriage helps us overcome the selfishness that drives most men. And how many of you know if marriage doesn't cure you, children will? See, first you get married, and you commit to this woman. And as no other person on planet Earth, she has the ability to expose what's really not in us or the weaknesses or whatever. And that's why we live close together, and that's why nobody knows you better than your spouse, and that's why you need to love one another and care for one another and listen to one another. But if that doesn't cure a man's selfishness, the babies start popping out. How many of you know the word diaper, if you spell it backwards, is repaid? See, all of that, you know what, you gave your parents, all your little selfish tantrums, oh yeah, God has a way of curing that. It's called diaper. It's called there's a time to be repaid for all the diapers you filled and your mom and dad and your dad getting up at night, all this kind of stuff, all right? That's what I'm talking about. Holy matrimony, being a husband. 
Men are called to build. They're called to build families. They're called to build legacies. They're called to build people. You know, Jesus said this, I will build my church, he said, and the gates of hell cannot uh, contend against my church. I mean, Jesus is a builder. I want to encourage every guy in this room. Can we make an absolute commitment to take the strength of our manhood and instead of spraying it around town, instead of using it for destructive purposes, can we take the strength of our manhood and with laser-like focus, use it on building people, use on building our legacy. You know, my, my dad, I've said this about my father before. Amen. My dad was a good dad, but I'm just going to tell you this. He is a better grandpa. He was a great dad. He is an even better grandpa. Listen, because he's focused on leaving a legacy that matters. That's why I'm telling you guys today. Don't look in the rearview mirror for crying out loud. We've all failed. Young men in this room, there's some of you that you failed. You've been selfish. You've been selfish in your sexuality. I'm not here to beat you up today. I am here to say this. Man up for God's sake. Quit treating people that way. Get a focus. If you're messing around with pornography, knock it off. You're going to destroy your sexuality. You're going to numb the way God intended you to function with your wife. Stop it. We're called to man up. Man up. Build something that's going to last. You know, when you're young and you're stupid and you're selfish, that's when you're married and things aren't clicking together, when you want to check out. Will you please fast forward the tape, for God's sake, to when you're my age? What's your life looking like then? If you've chosen not to build, if you've chosen to throw it all to the side, what's it look like then? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks very lonely. Think about what's happening. It's worth fighting through the bumps when I start seeing the next generation and the next generation and I start doing family pictures and we got to use a wide angle lens because of the fruit of what God has blessed us with. I, when, I'm getting, when I'm getting text messages today from spiritual sons and daughters that we've had in our home that are making me cry because they're thanking me for the investment in their lives. Come on, let's leave a legacy, guys. Let's leave a legacy. You might not be a biological father. You might not ever marry. You might serve God all the rest of your life. We can have spiritual sons and daughters and leave a tremendous legacy. Come on, let's build something together as men. So we're called to be builders. We're called to be providers. But we're also called, secondly, we're called to be protectors and we're called to be watchmen. And let me just encourage us today. The first thing you got to watch, guys, and the first thing you got to protect is your own self. The Bible says this, this is, this is Proverbs 20, 25, 28, a person, a man of God without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Jack Hayford said one time in training young pastors, he said, always make decisions against yourself. What did he mean by that? Well, how many of you have ever wanted to uh, be in better shape and you realize, you know what, I need to start working out? How many of you know, unless you make some type of a radical commitment with accountability, you'll never show up at the health club because you have to bet against yourself because yourself will cheat you all the time. Amen. Am I speaking to the right bunch here? If you, guys, if we don't protect ourselves from lust, intentionally from lust, you'll be eaten alive by lust. You have to make decisions against yourself. Say, Pastor, you know, how come, how come you don't partake in certain things or certain activities? Because I know myself. 
Oh, pastor, you're such a godly man. No, I'm not. I'm a wicked sinner who needs God, and I need the Holy Spirit, and I need other men, and I need to work against myself because I know where myself will take me. That's why, parents, have you ever said to your kids, nothing good happens after 12 o'clock, midnight? Oh, can I please stay later? No. No. Oh, can I please go here? No. Why? Because I know human nature, and my job is not only to protect me, but my job is to put boundaries around my children so they're not eaten alive. God forbid I, I want to lose my kids. God forbid I want to allow certain things into my household or into my kids' lives that I know is corrosive to them and will destroy them. You all know what I'm talking about here. This is the, this is the role of protector. This is the role. You know, the Bible says this. I'm just going to hit on this for a minute. That we should not be pursuing what is permissible, men. We should be pursuing what is beneficial. There are lots of things that are okay. Are they going to send you to hell? No. Are they gray areas in Scripture? Perhaps. Why are you living in the realm of the permissible when God's called you to live in the realm of the beneficial? I challenge my kids with this all the time. I don't care if that's neutral gray area. Don't go there. Go after God. Don't go for the lukewarm. Go after God. Don't, don't indulge in things that numb your senses. Go after God. Go after the Holy Spirit. Men, always work against yourself. Put people in your life, situations in your life, boundaries in your life to fight for the, for the condition of your own heart. Don't settle for what's permissible. Don't take the path of least resistance. You know, I came in here today and I had to fight my attitude because we've dealt, dealt like crazy with certain uh, construction aspects of this building that have done just garbage jobs, half you-know-what jobs. My dad always taught me, he said, you know, if you're going to do something, do it well. Finish the job. I came in here today, there's concrete all over my plant. Now, those are my plants. I planted the plants. I care for those babies, in case you all don't know that around here. That, that's what I enjoy doing. There's concrete mortar all over the leaves. There's, there's garbage. It was a garbage job. Was, they left their stuff all out. It ticked me off. I'm preaching on manhood today. That's not manhood. That's not how a man should conduct his business publicly. You don't do that. Leave things better off than when you got there. That's how you conduct your business. What's that called? It's called manning up. It's called quit looking for the path of least resistance. How you can get out of town as fast as you can with the money in your hand. That's not how men conduct business. I love what it says about Job. He was honest inside and out. A man of his word. Totally devoted to God. And listen, he hated what's evil with a passion. I'm going to say that again honest inside and out, keeper of his word, totally devoted to God, hating what's evil with passion. You know, sometimes men, we don't have a sense of protecting and fighting because we're just kind of tepid. We're lukewarm. Things that should tick us off don't tick us off. I was reading a Gary Smalley was talking about back in the day, you remember Abercrombie and Fitch. Is that store even in business anymore? Is it still in business? First of all, I told my kids, we're not going in there to buy anything because you're not going to, I'm not going to uh, support a place that promotes their products through cheap porn. You're not going to go in to buy a pair of jeans and see some naked teenage guy with a six pack standing on the wall to sell you jeans. Gary Smalley said this, he walks into the store to get his daughter something and he notices that right by the girl's dressing room is this guy with his bare butt in Abercrombie and Fitch. That used to be called pornography, public nudity. 
He looked at that. He was shocked. He said, where's the manager? He walks up to the manager, and he said, excuse me, I'm bringing my, my daughter in to buy clothes in your store, and I got to look at some guy's butt on your wall. That, that is indecent. And he said, well, it's all a matter of opinion. He laughed it off. It's all a matter of, of, of you know, what you think. It's like, it's like you're tasting pizza or food or something like that. And he said, this is what Gary Smalley said. Oh, really? Then why don't you pull your pants down right now? He said, right now, in front of me and my daughter, just go ahead and pull your pants down right now. And the guy went. <laughs> See, we don't, we're not mad anymore. We're not upset anymore about all the garbage in our culture. And see, here's the deal. We don't just sit back as armchair quarterbacks. This is why I'm giving a plug for the meeting on Wednesday night. We got to get involved in reclaiming our culture. And here's the deal. It's the men who used to be the ones with the voices at the gate. Now the men aren't at the gate. It's not the men talking any longer at the gates. Who should be protecting our children from seeing nudity when they go buy a piece of clothing at a store? It should be us. It should be men of God. But you know what? That takes courage, doesn't it? And, and you know what else? If you're looking at ladies' naked butts, then you probably aren't going to go condemn a man's naked butt. So then again, we got, we got the problem inside of our hearts, and so we're not going to do that, are we? Because our own conscience condemns us. I wanted to be uplifting today. I hope I am. But a watchman, a watchman... A watchman sees when trouble is coming. He stays at his post. He does his job, and he's vigilant. You know, one of the hardest jobs in the world, and I just want to encourage every dad out here, one of the hardest jobs in the world is to stand at the post of your own house and be a watchman in this culture today for your wife and for your children. It's the most unthankful, unpopular, nobody's writing you cards and telling you thanks. You know when they do, they do it later. Thank, you know, thank God my daughter Lauren, she's married, she's got her own child now. I can't tell you how many times she's come back to me with some years under her belt and said, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Because you know what? She gets it now. Sometimes we don't get it when, when we're younger. But being a dad is one of the most difficult, thankless things in the whole planet to do because you're constantly having a stand with wisdom, surveying your flock and making sure there's no landmines, there's no wolves, there's no perverts, there's no anybody else out there that are going to do your family a harm. That's what watchmen do. And you know what? If we're, all, if we're all in it ourselves, our eyes are clouded, we're falling asleep, we're not even paying attention. In fact, the Bible says on times of weakness in Israel, the watchmen were sleeping, no one's even paying attention. The enemy comes in and, and wreaks havoc in our families. Guys, it's time to be a watchman. Not just for our family. How about this? In the church. You know, I had, I had somebody last week on our graduation that came up to one of my daughters and was hitting on her, and he's a senior citizen. Now, he doesn't come here very often, and when I see him, he's probably not coming here again. Uh, We need to be aware of stuff even in the church. Um, We need to be watching. You know, when a man comes here for the sole purpose of preying on our ladies, our single ladies, um, my dad used to have weapons in the office for guys like that. Nowadays, I know it's politically incorrect, but he did have a big sword hanging on the wall that kind of got the message across that if you don't man up, we have ways of helping you, all right? Uh, we need to go back to some of those methods, perhaps. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen, be on your guard, men, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 
I love the way the message says it. Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute. Love without stopping. Isn't that good? Hold tight your convictions. Keep your eyes wide open. Give it all you got. Because it's our job to be watchmen and protectors. And let me end with this. I'll be quick. We're lastly called to be warriors. The Bible passage said our children are like uh, arrows in a warrior's hands. And I love what John Eldridge says. He says, every man needs a battle to fight. Every man needs an adventure to live. Every man needs a beauty to rescue. That's the way God has hardwired us. He said a man must have a battle to fight, a great mission uh, to his life that involves and yet transcends even his home and family. He must have a cause to which he is devoted even unto death. For this is written in the fabric of his being. How many of you have seen those videos that says, you know, 10 reasons why women live longer than men. Anybody see those videos? I was going to show one this morning, but I thought, no, that really does not highlight the beauty and the strength of masculinity. That highlights brain-dead people who are far from God doing really adventurous but stupid things that could really hurt them badly, all right? We've all seen those videos of guys doing crazy, crazy stuff. I came home one day. My son Joel was a young, younger lad at the time. He had two horseshoes out, or, or, or I mean horse, uh, what do you call yeah, sawhorses. There you go. Not you. Yeah, sawhorses. He had a sheet of plywood over the top, and he was going to jump over that with his rollerblades, land on the top, and then go down the other side. And this thing was barely staying up by itself. And fortunately, I caught him right as he was revving up, or he would possibly have serious problems right now. Right? Uh, there were many, many times I had to check my kid's natural sense of adventure. When they got their first BB gun, shot my house up with it. You know, um, it's just something. You know, I remember hearing a story about a woman who was saying, I just don't like the fact that, you know, I don't want my child to grow up to be violent. I don't want my child to grow up to be a warrior. And so we're not going to have toy guns at the house. How many of you know she bought her child a teddy bear? And the child came running around the corner, much to her dismay, holding the, the teddy bear's foot and shooting at. at <laughs> Listen, you can take the, the toy guns out of the house, but you'll never take the warrior out of your son. So mamas, don't raise your sons like girls. Raise them to be warriors. Dads, raise your boys to have something worth fighting for, something hard, something they have to die to themselves, something that takes a challenge, something that has to raise them up that they got to press through something that causes them to, to tap into that warrior heart that's in them. You know, I'll just say this. Why is it that one of the most painful, stinging words of, uh, said against a man, an attack against a man's character, one of the most painful words ever spoken over any man is this word, you're a coward. Man, am I speaking the truth? You, you can call us a lot of things, but when a man calls another man a coward, that, 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 those, those are fighting words. No man wants to be known as somebody who doesn't care and isn't willing to stand up and fight and to do what's right. I just want to encourage us in this place today. I'm speaking to, to every man here this morning. Let's be men that really work on our masculinity. Let's be men that are builders together, people builders, kingdom builders. And I'm speaking, you know, I, I'm encouraging us, but there's so many in, in here today that that's exactly who you are. Let's be people that are willing to be watchmen on the wall for our nation, for our church, for our community, for our kids, for our own hearts. 
that we're honest with the Lord, honest with our own hearts, protecting what God's given us inside, protecting the legacy of this place. You know, you do this in a lot of ways. You do this with your mouth. You know, the Bible says this about, uh, specifically about a woman, that a wise woman builds her family. A, a foolish woman tears it down with her own mouth. How many of you know that's just not a woman thing? That is a, that is a, a person thing. Let's be people that build one another up. Let's be people that in, believe in one another. Let's, let's be builders with our mouths. And lastly, let's be warriors. Let, let's fight for our wives, fight for our children, fight for our nation. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Part of the way we fight is by releasing the goodness of God into situations, demonstrating the superior greatness of God's goodness. And I end with one of my favorite quotes this morning from Edmund Burke. You've heard this. It's a famous quote, great quote, but I think it, it bears repeating as we wrap this message up today on Father's Day. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Good men to do nothing. Let's be men who are building and leaving legacies and good men doing something. Amen? I share with you that some of you have have regrets. Stop living under the regrets. Start building now. Some of you say, you know, I was a bad father and we blew up a marriage and my kids went AWOL. Great. Go after your kids. Go after their hearts. On this Father's Day, you say, man, I'm sitting here and nobody's, my kids aren't calling me up and all that. Call your kids up. And love on them. You take the initiative. You go low. I was working with a man this week who hasn't talked with his daughter for half a decade or more. And it's because of his own sin that alienated the two of them. And he's brokenhearted over it. And he's changed now. And he wants her to see the change. But she won't have anything to do with them. This is why I'm saying Isaiah 43. We preached on it last week. God is doing a new thing. Even now he's begun it. Can you see it? We need to start prophesying and speaking over our children, men. You know, when the devil tries to get me upset with something going on, I just say, Lord, I just thank you that my children have such a great reward and a great inheritance. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to expose any landmines, any wolves from around their lives. God, I thank you that their destiny is a great destiny. God, I thank you that I'll not lose a one of them to the enemy, that every single one of them will fulfill their God-given purpose for their life and for their generation. I start prophesying over their spouses. I start thanking God for the amazing people God's bringing into their lives. I just, I just talk that way to the Lord. And you know when I talk that way? When the accuser comes and tries to bring fear in my heart. I choose to speak a superior truth over my family. See, this is, this is part of how we're watchmen. We worship over our families. We speak the word of God over our families. We declare things over our families. A leader, this is one of the best definitions of leader I've ever heard, a leader defines reality. Men, guess what we do in our homes? You're the leader. You're the point man. Define reality. Define the way things are. Define the way you roll. Define how things get done. Define the culture. You're the point man. Lead. What a privilege, guys, it is to be men of God. What a privilege to be a man of God. What a privilege to be a father. What an amazing role we share with our Heavenly Father. Isn't it really? I love the word father. It says so much. It stirs so much up within me. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Guys, cherish it. Know that you're part of a band of brothers here where we're going to fight together. Young men, listen to me. Know that you're part of a group here of men who have been through lots. We've been, corporately, we've been through a lot together. You don't have to fight alone. 
I, I would share this to any young man. You're saying, well, I don't, know, I don't know how to be a man of God. I don't, know, I don't know how to be a good husband. Will you please ask somebody to help you? You don't have to figure this out by yourself. I don't, I'm a young man. I'm a single man. I don't know how to treat women correctly. I don't know this whole dating thing. I, I don't know how a godly man does it. Will you please call up a godly man in this place and say, can you mentor me in this particular area? You know what? Here's what's at stake. Every single young lady in this room that's hoping to find a godly man, that's what's at stake. Every, every family in this, in this room raising young people and wanting to have a solid family where those young people can nurture and grow and thrive and see what a, a marriage looks like, that's what's at stake. There's a lot at stake in what I just preached about today. There's a lot at stake. We don't have to do it together. Let's, let's be tighter than ever. Get involved. Get connected. Get with other men and get your heart right and get discipled and start building and put your hand to the plow and get involved. Come out on Wednesday night. Be a part. Jim D is going to be leading that group on Wednesday night. Get involved. Get educated. Let's fight for our nation. Let's fight for our church. Let's fight for our families. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, on this day that even America sets aside to recognize the importance of fathers, I pray your blessing upon every man here. God, may their hearts be encouraged. God, may we have a, 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 a welling uh, desire inside of our hearts to be better than we've ever been and to leave a great legacy. God, I pray that that builder anointing fall upon every man in this place. God, I pray that that protector anointing, that watchman call, God, may it fall on every man in this place. And Father, I pray lastly that this would be a gathering of warriors, that this would not be a safe place on Sundays or any other day. Lord, that this would be a dangerous place because men of God have gathered together to do business with the King of glory. And so, Lord, I just pray that these three essential components fall upon this house, and God, help us to grow, to be enlarged in every way. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come on down, all right? We want to pray for men this morning if you need prayer.